It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host and founder of BricktownBuckets.com, Ryland Stiles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Stiles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. Call into the show for 0536627128. On today's show, We will get into the NBA Power Rankings Roundup. We're going to dive into your Twitter questions and preview tonight's game in Oklahoma City against the Charlotte Hornets. But this show is brought to you by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week coming up later on in this episode. Let's go ahead and dive into the Power Rankings Roundup because some things did change from some two well-respected publications. Let's start with the NBA. They put the Thunder at 25. ESPN has a Thunder at 24. The Bleacher Report somehow has them at 23. CBS, who's often been high on the Thunder, the highest publication on the Thunder has been CBS. Uh, they bumped them to 24. The Sports Illustrated Power Rankings have them at 34 as well. And then the two big ones, The Athletic and, and Zach Harper, has the Thunder at 28, and the Ringers' Kevin O'Connor, while calling them a fun team, puts the Thunder at 30. I have them at 27 myself, and so the average of all these rankings, myself included, it averaged out to 26, and I think that 26 is probably the right answer right right here. Uh, And the question becomes, are the Thunder the worst team in the NBA? Yes and no is the answer to this question, because as they're currently constructed, they are the worst team in the NBA. I mean, they're getting blown out every single night including getting embarrassed at home against the Detroit Pistons a night ago. So this current version, without SGA, without Dort, without Baisley, without Horford, without Muscala, this current version is awful. It's a really, really, really bad team with the bright spots coming from Alexei Pokashevsky and Teo Maldon and then whatever the peripheral players can give you. So without SGA and Dort and Baisley, and of course without Horford Muscala, this team is the worst team in the NBA. By far. And then you take away Isaiah Roby and Josh Hall as well. It's by far the worst team in the NBA. Now, if this team wasn't trying to tank and, and wasn't sitting out SGA, Dort, Baisley, Horford, Muscala, uh, they, of course, would be a lot better, as they've shown throughout this season. But that's not the goal of this year. And the goal of this year is to sit back and, and let these young players play out and let these young players try things out and experiment and see where they're at at the end, at the end of the year and not win games. The goal is to get a top five pick in this NBA draft on June 22nd. You want to have as high of odds as you possibly can at getting Cade Cunningham or getting one of these elite level prospects 
And after practice today, Mark was very candid in saying, hey, you know what? We are just exploring the roster. And he gave a good example of Sfima Kailuk. And he says, you know what? We've learned throughout this experience, these last couple of games, this roster and these young players, they can't win these kind of games. They can't beat Portland. They can't beat even Detroit. But we also learned that, for example, Sfima Kailuk cannot be projected to be a good defender on the top tier athlete. So by putting him in that spot, and, and making him guard Luka Doncic in this stretch. He's guarded CJ McCollum in this stretch. He's guarded you know, Devin Booker slash Chris Paul in this stretch. He's guarded a lot of these top guards and wings and whatever you want to classify Luka as he's kind of this unicorn point guard. You know, he's guarded all these top scorers and, and top guys in this league, all-stars. And that could have gone one of two ways. The way it went, where he's just not good, and you cannot afford to do that moving forward. Or... He could have surprised you, and Sfi could have looked awesome defensively against these elite-level talents. But you'll never know unless you give him the opportunity. Now, you could project, and I, I think everyone would have projected that Sfi would not perform well against Luka and CJ and these other elite guards because 90% of the league doesn't perform well against Luka and CJ and all these other elite guards. But you have to put them in that spot. What if Lou Dort never got the chance last year to show that he could play this kind of defense. You have to put them in the spot to do that. And that's where this team is at. And whenever you're in that kind of situation, we are just simply putting guys in spots and trying to explore what they can and cannot do. You're a bad basketball team because good teams can afford to do that. Good competitive championship playoff teams cannot afford that luxury. It's why Dallas plays their rookies a combined two minutes a night. If that it's, it's not beneficial for those teams to play young guys, the thunder in a spot where they can play young guys. And so by virtue of that, they're one of the worst teams in the NBA. If they didn't have the restrictions on Horford to sit him out the whole year, if they weren't benching Mike Muscala in one of the best years of his career, if they had SGA healthy, if they had Lou Dort out of concussion protocol, and if they started to play Darius Baisley again, then this team would get better. Obviously, you add better players to it. But this team is one of the worst in the NBA right now. I have him at 27th. I'm not as low as Kevin O'Connor, but his opinion that they're the worst team in the NBA on his latest power rankings which Kevin O'Connor does not do often, right? He, he does it in, what, once a month maybe? Or, or maybe once every other month even? So, like, he's not one of these guys that has the power rankings where he can change it every single week. And he can go up and down and up and down. You know, his his take is kind of out there and kind of projecting a bit. And also, based on what we've seen, I respect 30. I think that that's, a, that's not a egregious spot to put them. Uh, but this Thunder team is trying to be 30. They're trying to be a bad team. So it's, it's no surprise at, at that point. And we've just kind of collectively got to adjust your mindset. You've you got to adjust and evaluate this season so differently. And honestly, I'd rather this team tank and, and, and not go and put their best foot forward and try to make the play in because not only does it benefit the future of this team in the draft, but it also allows you to take the shot on Simakai Luke and you take the shot on Ty Jerome and the shot on all these young players. And whenever you do capture that next star next to Shea, when you do capture that Cade Cunningham type of player, there's no question marks about what the peripheral pieces can do. There's no question marks on what the roster limitation is. You'll know the limitations. You'll also know the strengths, and you'll be able to combat that and build a team around that the best way possible. If you just went in this thing blind and, and you didn't put Svi in, in an opportunity to guard Luka and CJ, and to put him in that spot, by the way, you, you had to have a little inkling, if you're Mark Dagnott or Sam Presti, that there's a possibility he could do it, right? That there's a possibility. It might be, you know, sub-zero, but but there's a possibility he could he could handle it. 
the fact that you've got the concrete answer now, and that's just one example. There's, of course, many others. But the fact you have the concrete answer now, it helps you build this team moving forward. It, it helps you in a place like Oklahoma City where you can't afford to mess up very often. One mistake, and you've derailed your franchise, and where the margin for error is so slim, to be able to have as much information possible when making this selection that will be so important and so critical for the future of this team cannot be understated. And the, the experience that Sam Presti is getting right now to watch this team and put every player in every spot possible where Lou Dort's playing point guard one night, Tail Madlon's playing off the ball one night, then he's playing point guard the next night, Poku's handling the ball, Poku's playing center, Poku's doing everything on the floor possible, Poku's running off ball, Poku's handling the basketball, creating his own shot. So having all these players fill all these different roles, while it's not inducive to winning, is more valuable than winning because this year's team had a clear and definite ceiling of maybe if everything goes right, they hit the play-in. More valuable than the play-in experience, more valuable than the playoff experience is giving Sam Presti and the decision makers in Oklahoma City enough data and enough evidence on every single player to make the smartest choice possible, not only in the 2021 draft, but beyond that. It's in the trade market this offseason. It's in the next year's draft class. It's figuring out who you have moving forward and what those players can do and can be and getting a true assessment on them because you can't afford to miss. I mean, you just can't, even though you have 17 future first round draft picks, you, you, the margin for error is still with the, with the assets the Thunder have, the margin for error is still so slim. It's still so slim in Oklahoma city. That's way more valuable to do what they're doing right now than it would be to push for the plate and play Al Horford, Justin Jackson, Mike Muscala, Darius Miller, all those guys, valuable minutes. It doesn't make any sense. That's why you saw Justin Jackson get waived. It's why you saw Muscala get sidelined with an injury. It's why you saw Al Horford get shut down. It's why you saw all of that happen. Because the risk and reward and the, and the return on investment of those minutes versus the return on investment of the Kendrick Williams, Sumakai Luke, Ty Jerome minutes, they outweigh each other. They outweigh each other dramatically. So is this team the worst in the NBA? As of right now, it absolutely is. But coming up, we're going to get to your Twitter questions and then preview tonight's game against the Charlotte Hornets. But first, it's time to name the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. The Player of the Week brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Drum roll, please. It is Alexei Pokashevsky. He is the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week because he brought me so much joy, happiness, and enjoyment watching him play basketball this weekend, just as Michelob Ultra brings you joy, happiness, and enjoyment every single time that you drink Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. It's 2.6 carbs, 95 calories. Joy creates success. And Poku, playing joyful, created success for him. So enjoyment is not the end game. It's the whole game. And I've enjoyed watching Poku every single game of his career. He's a wild ride. He's like a box of chocolates. And in this game, he performs well. And in this week, he's performed well. This last week, Poku's averaged 15 points, four rebounds, three assists, a block per game, 39% from the floor, 44% from three. Pretty efficient numbers, especially considering where he started from. On both those categories, Poku was awesome this last week, and that's why he's the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. He's shown you a lot more out of his tool bag, right? The hesitation move, the step back moves, the one-legged fadeaway moves. He's shown you such mobility and such ability offensively to where we call this a home run swing, right? We call the draft pick of, of Alexei Pokashevsky at 17 a home run swing. And that is still very accurate. That is still very accurate. 
I think though it might be time already, which is just jaw-dropping to me because I thought that we could never evaluate Alexei Pogoshevsky in this season. It'd be way too soon and way too difficult to evaluate him in this season. But after what he's shown so far this year, I think that you can say that at worst, Sam Presti, while swinging for the fences, has hit a double. At worst, he's hit a double. For a draft class in 2020 that was considered one of the weakest of all time, and that didn't even have a clear and cut number one, and the Wolves couldn't give away the first overall pick. Nobody wanted it. In a year like that, where the draft pick was just picked apart and the, and the draft class was picked apart and considered terrible, you came away with at least a double or possibly a home run swing with Alexei Pokoshevsky. You're not going to strike you out. I don't think that you're going to strike out Pokoshevsky. And you also get a second-round pick in Tail Maldon, who at worst is going to be a great sixth man and a backup point guard for you and be a vital, vital bench piece for your team moving forward and for a championship-level team. That's the floor for Maldon. That's two great picks in a terrible draft. And that should give you a lot of confidence in Sam Preston moving forward. And watching Poku just has to bring you so much joy, excitement, and enjoyment and happiness watching Poku. Are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? That's the question that must be answered. I am very happy watching Alexei Poshevsky, and you are too. So go ahead and get yourself some Michelob Ultra. I had it this weekend. It was awesome. It's great. I, I love it. So try it out today. Michelob Ultra anywhere you get your products from, but drink responsibly. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So we are back on Locked On Thunder. Check out the Locked On Today podcast. Get all the sport news you need in less time. That's under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Hosted by Peter Yukowski. He updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever else you get your podcasts from. So let's jump into your Twitter questions and speak of the Miklop Ultra Player of the Week, Alexei Pokashevsky, and he appears. We've got a couple Poku questions to start things off. Number one comes from at Coriel underscore Charlie. If Poku was in the 2021 draft and this season was basically just a showcase similar to what Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga are doing, where would you project him to go in the draft, higher or lower than his original selection at 17? So if I'm reading this question properly, you're asking if he plays for the Thunder this year, which he's doing right now, he plays the exact same way for the Thunder this year as he is right now, but then he, in the magical world, re-enters the NBA draft and is drafted again? Or are you saying that you take the prospect, Pokashevsky, with no visible NBA experience and just what we knew about him at the time of last year, and he's put into this class? If it's the latter to where... You're just taking the prospect of last year. You erase from your memory, like the men in black, your experiences with Poku in the NBA. If it's the latter, I think he goes 17 or worse in this draft class. If it's the former, where you get the knowledge and you get the information of what he's done in the NBA so far this year, and that's the showcase you're talking about, that he's played in the NBA and he's played for the Thunder this year, I think that he absolutely goes higher. And, and because he's earned it, because he's shown those flashes that we talked about just now, but also because 
he's tantalizing. And GMs love a mystery. GMs young, you know, love youth, and they love young players, and he's still the youngest player in the NBA right now. And even in the next draft class, he'll be one of the top five youngest players. So the youth is on his size. The size itself, you know, seven-footer is on his side. And the, the play set and the play style for a seven-footer is on his side. So I think that he goes higher as long as we have the information that we have right now of the NBA experience for, for Poku. The reason I say that he goes lower, 17 or lower, if it's not based on this year, and it's based on what he was entering this year, is there was a lot of question marks around his game entering this year, and he gets pushed further and further down the draft board as you start to have five solidified franchise-changing players. All right, think about that for a second. Last year's draft had zero what was considered before the draft franchise-changing guys. There was question marks about Melo Ball, about James Wiseman, about Anthony Edwards, and your draft starts at one at that scenario. It's where no one even knew what Minnesota was going to do in the first overall pick. And that was on the block from the time that the lottery odds were set to the time that, that the ping pong balls got pulled out to the time that the Minnesota Timberwolves were on the clock. It was, on, it was a question mark of who's going to pick that number one overall pick. Can they trade it? And they couldn't give it away. So in that case, he still goes and gets elevated a bit to 17. Now, in this draft, you have five names that are going to go somewhere one through five. All right? Somewhere in the top five, it's going to be Cade Cunningham, Suggs, Kaminga, Green, Mobley. Somewhere in that top five. So your draft starts at six. That's already pushed you down the ladder board and leaderboard to six. Now, what we've seen at the NBA level, that pushes Poku so far up the boards. But if we entered him as a prospect this year, the same way he was last year, it'd push him down to like 17 around that original spot. So I answered the question both ways because I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to have you waste your time asking the question. And then I didn't answer the way you wanted me to. So I answered both ways. The next one comes from at bad teacher two A's underscore teacher. I hope you're not a bad teacher, by the way. I hope you're a great teacher. If you are a teacher, what is, or I hope you're not teaching people to be bad. Also, what is Poku's position moving forward? Yeah, so I think that he's a wing. I think that he's not a big man moving forward. I think he's a wing offensively, and he's a perimeter, perimeter player offensively. He could possibly play that four position on defensively uh, because he's so long and lengthy, and he's actually really wise on how to use his size. Uh, even despite his his kind of frail frame, he's very smart on how to use his length. So I think offensively, he's a perimeter player. And then defensively, it's kind of just situational, obviously, with the match with the matchup. But offensively, it's what we mostly care about. I think he's a wing for sure, and he will have the ball in his hands a lot and will not be kind of that down-low player. The next one from at UAB Sports, do you think OKC plans on keeping Darius Baisley on board for the long haul? You know, I think right now it's unfair to Darius Baisley to grade him on a sophomore season that he's been hurt, and also before the injury, he was put in a new role and was just ha- just had a, a culture shock of... Now he's an NBA starter at 20 years old. Now he is playing as a starter and he's having defenses focus on him. And also on the other end, he's having to guard Julius Randle, Zion Williamson. He's having to guard these top guys down low who have just bigger, stronger bodies than him, but he wants those assignments and he wants to be that elite level defender. He's having to do it at that four or five position at times. He gave you solid defense. He gave you elite rebounding, but not much more than that. And a lot of that can be due to just the, the nature of changing his role with a shortened offseason, with a shortened preseason training camp, no summer league, which I don't think he would have gone to anyway, but still no summer league. 
and you change your role that dramatically, it's going to take time to adjust. Is it a bit alarming that he's the only player not to get better under Mark Dagna? Of, of all the players that have cycled through here, he's the only one not to get better from last year? That is alarming a little bit. I think that he's the only one who you can have this question about. So that is alarming for him. But also, he's a 20-year-old kid who didn't play college ball, was a New Balance intern, until last year had not played competitive, organized basketball since high school, had that ankle thing his first year, had shoulder injuries this year. I think that if anyone has to go, it'll be Darius Basley. All right, if you get this a scenario in two years from now, because this he's safe this offseason. I think everyone can agree. He's safe this offseason. His trade value is not there. Maybe he can be a sweetener if you just get a, if you just get a chance to leap from, say, three to one or something. Uh, but I think he's safe this year because his trade value is little to nothing right now. His trade value is just banking on a 20-year-old uh, that has some upside and has some athletic ability. So he's safe this year. But moving forward, whenever you start compiling these draft picks and, and start to capitalize on them, when push comes to shove, basically the one that's on the fringe, right? Because Taylor Maldon solidified himself even in this uh, rookie season. And he, he's playing like a vet. You're never going to give up on Poku. I think that Poku is at least a double, like we talked about before, that analogy. He's at least a double, so he's at least an NBA player for you. And then you're always going to be left with, for at least five years or so, five plus years even at, at his age of 19, you're going to be left with this feeling of, okay, something can be right around the corner for him. Something can happen for him where he's, where he's going to play better. He's going to be better. He's going to develop better to where there's always the what if with Poku because he's at least going to be that quality NBA player to where Baisley gets pushed down and down the pecking order. If you draft a Cade Cunningham this year or a, a Jonathan Kaminga this year, he gets pushed down and down the pecking order to where he would be the first one out the door if push came to shove. So his spot is not solidified in the long, in the long term future, like the five, six year window here. Uh, but for this off season, I think it's pretty certain he'll be back next year unless Sam Presti just surprises us all. So coming up, we're gonna get to more of your Twitter questions. But first, I'm gonna tell you about more from our good friends over at betonline.ag. After I tell you about our good friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is a fantastic protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to builtbar.com. And whenever you go to builtbar.com, use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. They have six new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. They are soft and easy to chew. With 100% real chocolate on the outside, these Built Bars are phenomenal to help lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat, making them great for the health-conscious person. The Built Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for the keto diet. My personal favorite is the cookies and cream option, 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs. I love the cookies and cream option at BuiltBar.com. That's BuiltBar.com. And when you visit them, put on the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Now, I want to tell you about our good friends over at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on your sport action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and perhaps almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline even has you covered for the news, the scores, the odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head over to website or use your mobile device and sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportbook experts. Promo code locked on at BetOnline.ag. So again, 
Go to betonline.ag and use promo code Locked On, and you'll receive that 50% welcome bonus. When the show is over, check out Locked On NBA Draft. Get more analysis of the top prospects available in this year's draft class with the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. Scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credential draft experts. Follow the Locked On NBA Draft podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever else you get your podcast from. Let's dive more into your Twitter questions on Locked On Thunder, the daily, the daily podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder. Let's go now to Samuel H. Who will be with the Thunder long term? You know, this is an interesting question. I understand why it's being asked. I think that the locks, of course, are Shea, Dort, Teo, and Poku. And, and that's really it. That's really the locks of who will be on this team five years from now, six years from now. You know, that's where we're, we stop at. Because while I think Isaiah Roby and Kendrick Williams and Ty Jerome and even Steve McKaylock to an extent has, have played their way into an immediate future with Oklahoma City, it's where they're here next year and they might be here the year after that, the long-term future, big picture, you know, trying to plan your championship parade and your championship roster, from this roster itself, the only guarantees and the only ones where I don't even see a pathway to move off of them is Shea, Dort, Maldon, Poku. That's it. And then you can go either way on Darius Basley, but we, we address that there is, a, there is a realm in which he's moved before the five, six-year window is up. Same thing with all the rest of them, you know, Ty Jerome, Sue McKayluk, Isaiah Roby, Kendrick Williams, etc. They could all be here long-term, but they're not guarantees. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deal with guarantees right now. Uh, so the next one from at Kenny L. Moore 1, they ask if we get one of the top five picks in this year's draft, are we going to start to push for the playoffs or explore the roster to try to get back in the lottery? If you get a top five pick in this year's draft class and you get SGA next to one of the five, the five being Kaminga, Green, Suggs, Cunningham, if you do that with how great Mark is as a coach and with the pieces around this team, which will be Svi and Jerome and Baisley, Kendrick Williams, and then, of course, Poku and Maldon and Dort and this roster, then you'll be in that, if they keep playing, which I think they're going to, if they've not already announced that officially. Beyond that, though, you're going to push for the play-in. You might not get there because it's a young team that still needs to work some things out. But in general, you've got your core at that point. Because then your core expands to, if you get a top five pick, let's call it Cade Cunningham just for fun, because we hope it, it to be true. Let's try to will it to existence. If you have a core of Cade Cunningham, SGA, Poku, Maldon, Dort, Baisley, that's six guys right there that all you have to do is sit and wait. You have to sit and wait until they can become good. And the only way they're going to become good and the only way they're going to get together and, and be able to gel together and be able to play well together is by playing them. And, and if you don't shut them down, which you're not going to shut down your young guys, and this team will be good. And this team will get that experience. You're in a tough Western Conference, but that young team, if all things click for them, plus the peripheral players of Kendrick Williams and Ty Jerome and Sue Luke and, and those other peripheral players, it could be a playing team, and that's not your end-all, be-all goal, but it, it's that first step. That's what I've talked about before. This team starts to make the jump next year if you cash in on this on this draft class. That's why it's been boggling my mind how anyone is against tanking because all you have to do is hit on this draft pick right here, and you might get two of them. If you tanked good enough, you could have gotten the first overall pick and the fifth overall pick and then really set your franchise up to where it's no longer tanking. It's just what can this young team do? It might not be the playoffs, but it could be. If they get there, you don't expect any noise to be made, but you do expect them to take a next step next step forward like that 09 team did, and you start the clock on getting better and getting to your end goal. 
Listen, you can't afford too many seasons like this with SGA. He's not here forever. I mean, we hope he is, but it's not guaranteed. You've got that nine-year window with SGA, and he's used up three of them. And you're going to use up four of them next year because even if you hit on two, even if things go perfectly June 22nd, and you get Cunningham and you get Kaminga, right? Boom. Draft lottery, they bless you with those odds, and you get both of them, right? Even if you hit both of them. This team's not ready to be a championship team next year. So you're going to waste next year too, and, and, and waste being not win a championship. Next year, it should be a fun team with that, with that kind of group. But, but then that's going to be up to four years. You're counting down the, the clock pretty quickly here because you have nine years under contract, but what if you request a trade that ninth year? You, you've got to really hone in on, on these next couple of years and these next couple of seasons to where outright tanking next year would not be the direction they go if they get the hit on a top five pick. And that's why June 22nd is so, so valuable. Because if you don't get a top five pick in this year's draft class, you just get another good player, you know, a, a good player. That's all you get. You're in the same boat you are now and have to waste another year tanking. And after you're done tanking, then you have to take this first step forward. Whenever you could just take that first step forward next year. It's so mind-boggling why people are against tanking for so long. But to answer your question, if you do get a top five pick, then yes, you, you do push for the playoff run and for the play-in. You might not get there, but but you're also not trying to sabotage your team anymore. At Hazley 30, if the Thunder get the heat pick, who would you like them to target? You know, there's a few names here for the heat pick somewhere after the lottery. You know, does Jaden Springer fall, the forward from Tennessee? You know, I think he should be a lottery pick, but if he falls, I love, I love Jaden Springer. I also really like these two guys that, that could be in the mix there. These two are more realistic, realistic than Jaden Springer. Darren Sharp and Kai Johnson, those two I really like, the big men from uh, UNC and Texas, respectively. I really like those two names. The next one from at Jimmy Mintz. How concerned are you with the rebuild if the Thunder land outside the top five? The talent drop-off seems significant. What is your opinion on Wagner, Kespert, Barnes, and Moody? I'd also throw one more name at you. I, I love Keon Johnson. I think that if you fall in that 7 to 10 range, Keon Johnson will be there. I'd love to get him on this team. But yeah, it's a doomsday scenario. If you do not land on the top five, it's a doomsday scenario because while you're going to draft a good player, and I think that I think that Moody can be good. I think that Wagner can be good. Barnes can be good. I don't like Kesper's age. But I think that Keon Johnson can be really good. Uh, those are not franchise-changing guys. Uh, therefore, you're still searching and you're still hoping to get one of those guys. And the, the best way to get one of those guys at a, at a place like Oklahoma City is through the draft. That way you're not having to trade for Bradley Beal, who sure is a great player, uh, but there's no guarantee if you trade for him tomorrow, he'll be in Oklahoma City past two years. Whereas if I tank and get a top guy like Cade Cunningham, I've now locked him into nine years in Oklahoma City. And being able to grow and develop a team around a guy for nine years is more beneficial than two years. That's obvious. So yeah, it's, it's a doomsday scenario. But I, I think that those guys will be good players, uh, just not what you're looking for in Oklahoma City. The next one comes from I'm so dizzy or dizzy. I'm so sorry about that. If the Thunder get the Rockets pick at five and Jonathan Kaminga is available, uh, would you pick him even with the question marks around his shooting? Uh, so Kaminga shot 24% from the three in the bubble. He still was able to average 15 points, seven rebounds, two assists on 30 minutes per game, shot 24% from beyond the arc. You know, I, I think that his shot is a quality look. It just doesn't go in. So I, I don't think his shot's broken. I think it can be fixed a bit. And I think that he can impact this game and, and leave his imprints on this game in a multitude of ways as a defender, as a scorer, and in this system with his defense and his size and his ability, he could be a great defender in this system. He averaged almost a block and a steal per game inside the bubble. Another thing to watch for in the bubble is that he's, as a kid, he's going against grown men. 
Whereas if he went to college and he went and played for, say, Kansas, he's playing Wichita State. He's playing you know, Fort Hayes State. He's playing all these bad schools, these directional kind of schools uh, that don't have the athletes that, that he is, like don't have the athletic ability that he does to where he just overpowers some of these kids in college to where for all but like five games a year, whenever you play the Baylors of the world and the Gonzagas of the world and teams like that, all but five games a year, you're playing teams who have nobody who can even compete with you athletically. Therefore, your numbers get inflated a bit whenever you play in college. If you're like a, a player of the, the specimen of Jonathan Kaminga, I think that that is worth noting. And he's already gotten experience and proven to you that he can play against NBA type of players and play against two-way guys and play against G League guys to where they're NBA caliber. I mean, Moses Brown is NBA caliber and he tore up the G League both years and he finally got his NBA shot this year to where now all of a sudden he's a 2020 guy in the NBA. Like the, the G League talent is not something to be ashamed of. It's, they're just guys who need an opportunity just like Moses Brown got. Just like Jalen Horde got, who steps right on the NBA floor last night, looks comfortable and looks good and looks like a quality player. Now, not a long-term piece for Oklahoma City, uh, but, but a quality NBA player to give you serviceable minutes. And, and that's what the G League competition is. It's serviceable NBA guys who just cannot crack uh, the full-time gig. And Kaminga handled himself so well down there that I absolutely take him despite the shooting concerns. And if you build the team around Kaminga and, and SGA, you're going to have shooters there. You're going to have spot-up shooters there that, that can help those two guys out and, and really benefit from that. So I, I would absolutely take Kaminga. I think that any of the top five, I mean, even as down as I am on Mobley, even the top five, if you pair them with this team, this culture, this coaching, and, and SGA, you have set yourself up for the future for the long term and for the long haul, and I'm so excited about it. That's why June 22nd is so big, so big, so big. Now, last question from at eflame underscore 717. How do you book guests on your podcast? I've been lucky enough to talk to a ton of people nationally from Keith Smith at Yahoo, locally from the Oklahoma City Thunder beat. It's just sliding DMs and asking them to join the podcast is really all it is. I don't have like a, a guest book or anything. Yeah, just sliding DMs and hoping for the best. And luckily, everybody I've asked has said yes. And they've all been kind with their time and generous with their time. So I've really appreciated that from everyone who's joined the podcast before. It helps having the brand recognition of Locked On and David Locke in this podcast network is great. And it helps that you guys listen to this show and you guys produce numbers for this show that are tangible and uh, that, that are great. And so we're able to get a ton of great guests who are, again, just so generous with their time that I that I'm just amazed. Honestly, I've never gotten rejected for having anyone on the, on the show before. They all say yes, and they're all so willing. I mean, that, that Thunder Book of Basketball series that we did in, in quarantine, if you missed it, go back and listen to it. You know, I, I asked all the beat writers throughout all the eras to come on this show and sit down with me and talk about each era of Thunder basketball and the progression of Thunder basketball. And each one of them went much longer than I thought it was going to go. And, and it had to be two parts, three parts. It was so long and, and so interesting talking to all of them. And each and every one of them that, that sat down with me from, from Andrew Schleck to John Hamm, Brady Trantham, each and every single one of them that sat down with me were so kind to me. I'm first starting out at Lockdown. It's my first project I did. The very first thing I ever planned, it was like one of the fifth shows I did on the network was getting that all set up and that all organized. So I was young, didn't know what I was doing. And they sat down and took the time to talk some thunder with me. And they were always gracious with how much time that they gave me. So yeah, that's how I do it. Just DM and email if that's interesting to anybody else. But that will do it for today's episode of Locked on Thunder, the daily podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder. Subscribe anywhere. You get your podcasts from follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Send me your Twitter questions and we'll answer them 
on this show. We will be back tomorrow after the Hornets game, so be good and be good to one another. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.